Hey, this is Jacob Bergai, lead pastor at Field Church, and I'm so glad you're joining us today to hear this message. You know, I'm reminded that the Word of God says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And I just believe that as you hear God's Word, that your faith is going to grow in every area of your life. Thank you for joining us, and for more information about Field Church, check us out, thefuelchurch.com. Have a great day. Someone say, I love my church. Well, hey, we've been in this series all month long, and uh, we've been looking at a few reasons why we love our church. Um, if you're not able to be with us the last few weeks, I encourage you to check out the podcast or get us on iTunes or Google Play. And uh, last week, we talked about, I love my church because it's a place where my faith grows. Someone say, growing faith. And I encourage you to check that message out. It was a blessing to many people. Uh, today, we're going to move forward, and I want to talk about this. I love my church because it's a place where I can come and get unstuck. Someone say unstuck. Got you off guard there, didn't I? Have you ever felt stuck? Hmm? In a job? In a relationship? Stuck like this guy? Stuck spiritually? Stuck physically? Stuck financially, stuck in your mind, stuck like this kid? Has life ever had you feeling like this? The struggle is real. I think those people are crazy, climbing cliffs and mountains and stuff like that. That would be scary to me. Stuck like this Jeep? Come on now, I've got a lot of Jeep fans in here. Right? Have you ever felt stuck in life? I think if we were to be honest, we could all say that we've all been stuck right? And maybe you're sitting here today and you say, man, I'm stuck in a lot of areas. It's not just one thing you named, it's all of them. (laughs) Well, I want to tell you today, you're in the right place. This is a place for people who are stuck. Amen? And we're going to find out in the Word of God today that Jesus wants to help us get unstuck. Someone say unstuck. unstuck. You see, the routine of life and work and taking care of a family and paying the bills can make us feel automatic and sometimes uninspired. The pressure to perform and succeed can also keep us stuck. Self-talks like that, that begin with, I have to and I should, is born of the language of stuckness. We all know when we are stuck. Being stuck is an inner feeling. It feels stagnant, immobilizing, and even oppressive. It can be uncomfortable and lead to feelings of sadness or even depression. Perhaps we're secretly waiting for something to happen. We're waiting for that lucky break or that miracle. Perhaps we're wondering if God is even watching over us while we're stuck or if the winds of change will move in our favor. We do this instead of embracing the change that needs to occur within us in order to get unstuck. Being stuck can seem that God is far from you, but I've learned that being stuck serves a spiritual purpose. It is the fertile ground for transformation to occur. It tells you that a change is needed. More than recognition or fortune or any kind of external change, what's really being asked of you is an internal Change. Someone say internal change. It could be a change of heart. Could be a change of priorities. It could be a change of your environments, a change of your friends, or even a change of perspective. 
When we are stuck, we are being invited by God to grow and to expand. It's simple to say you want to better yourself and change your life, but life change doesn't just fall out of the sky, does it? You need to get out of the rut you've been in for way too long. Wanting, wishing, hoping, and dreaming are just not enough to do that. In order to change your life, you must be willing to change yourself. You must be willing to accept that doing what you've always done only gets what you've always gotten. It's one thing to know how to get how you got stuck. It's something entirely different to know how to get unstuck. My assignment today and will be to give you some spiritual yet practical steps in getting unstuck. Someone say unstuck. As always, we go to God's word. We believe it is the truth. We believe that it is the roadmap for our life that helps us navigate through life's trials and problems. Truth today is we all have areas in our lives that we're stuck, that keep us from fulfilling God's purpose and destiny for our life. We're going to go to Mark chapter 10. If you have your Bible, turn there, verse number 46. If not, we have two Bibles that are real big to the left and to the right for you to check out. We're going to look at a story of a man who was Simply stuck. Someone say stuck. But a man who did something about being stuck. It says here in Mark chapter 10, verse 46, it says, Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together were with a large crowd. They were leaving the city. A blind man named what? Bartimaeus was sitting by the roadside begging. When he had heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him, told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing off his cloak or his coat aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Has anybody ever seen the movie Groundhog Day? Does your life feel like that right now? The main character, Phil Connors, is stuck in the same place at the same time. Forced to relive the same day over and over and over again. Is that you? Everything is the same over and over. I want to encourage you today that, that God is meant to be experienced and life is meant to be lived. And so from our text today, we're, we're going to discover what it takes to get unstuck, how to get unstuck. How many want to know how to get unstuck? Come on. How many want to know? Number one is we got to take responsibility. Someone say take responsibility. I love this because in the text, it says in verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Here was a blind man, right? This was his life problem. This had him stuck 
but he admitted he was stuck and he took responsibility. He didn't have excuse and say, you know what, I'm blind, I can't even see Jesus, so I'm just going to be quiet right here, right? He launched out and he said, hey, Jesus, it's me. Have mercy on me, heal me. He took responsibility for what had him stuck. There are some things that you cannot control in your life. You can't control, but you can control your response to what happens to you. Many times we like to blame and we like to have excuses and they're the crutch really of the uncommitted. And we like to blame everyone else for why we're stuck, don't we? Yeah, we, we, we point to everyone else and the truth is until you take responsibility for why you're stuck, you won't get unstuck. George Washington Carver said this, 99% of failures come from people who have the habit of making excuses. What is your excuse for staying stuck? What is God asking you to do today to take responsibility to why you're stuck? Uh, First story in the Bible, one of the first stories is Adam and Eve. And uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing that Adam did was come up with an excuse on why they sinned. Do you remember? He blamed the wife. The wife you gave me, Jesus, she did it. She did it. Uh, We're still blaming the wife years later, right? Anyway, moving right along. That's a February marriage series we got coming up. And he had an excuse. Listen, when you live your life with excuses, you eventually pay for it. That's what I've learned. You eventually pay for it. Excuses will simply justify you staying in the rut or the stuckness that you're in. Hmm? There's a story in, in Luke chapter 14, and it goes like this, Jesus tells this parable, and he says, there was a certain man preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests, and at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited. He said, come, for everything is now ready. It says this in verse 18, but they all alike begin to make excuses. Someone say excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I have to go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Then the last one said this, I just got married, so I can't come. Now, this guy had some reasons, right? (laughs) Or one reason. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, February marriage series. Moving right along. Sometimes I laugh at my own jokes. It's funny. It's amusing up here. Because only three people laugh out there. Pray for me. I got to do this twice today. Excuses. Someone say excuses. I heard this quote. A man who wants to be something will find a way. A man who doesn't will find an excuse. Hmm? It's quiet up in here at the 930. Thought you were going to be the loudest killing an amen up in here. Excuses are the language of victims. Hmm? If you can convince yourself through an excuse, then you don't have to take responsibility for your life. Hmm? Rick Warren says it like this, the more I accept responsibility for my choices, actions, and happiness, the more I grow. Blaming keeps me stuck in immaturity. 
blind Bartimaeus cried out and he said, hey, it's me, Jesus. I take responsibility. Even though it wasn't his fault that he was blind, as far as we can see in the text, but he said, hey, I'm no longer going to stay right here. It's me that wants a healing. I take responsibility for being stuck. And the Bible says he took initiative. He didn't blame anyone else. He didn't blame his parents. He didn't blame society for the reason he was stuck. He took responsibility. So number one, if we want to get unstuck, we got to take responsibility. Number two, if we want to get unstuck, we got to learn to leave it behind. Say, leave it behind. In order to get where God wants you to be, we need to completely leave the things behind that keep us stuck. Who or what do you need to leave behind is the question today. Who or what? Notice it says in the text that when he began to take responsibility to get unstuck, what happened to the people around him? Hey, be quiet. Hey, it don't take all that to serve Jesus. Hey, blind Bartimaeus from Timaeus, chill out. Keep your voice down. Don't you know this is the Messiah? This is Jesus. He's walking by. You don't need to get all radical, do you? I've found out this. Those closest to your life are the ones that want you to remain stuck. Usually the ones that have your same address and your same last name. They want you to stay stuck. Say, hey, chill out, dude. Don't, don't, don't yell to Jesus. We want you to stay in your condition. But the Bible says that this man, he wouldn't shut up. But then he took it a step further. The Bible says he threw off. Someone say throw off. He threw off this garment that was issued by the government. The cloak, it says in the Bible. It was like a coat that was issued to someone who had physical ailments. And, 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 and he threw this government-issued coat that would enable him to get certain things in society, probably food and shelter and clothes. This, this, this garment meant everything to him, Right? Because this is how he lived, from that garment. He took the garment off that supplied his needs, and he said, I'm no longer going to hold on to this for my source, but I'm going to look to Jesus for my source. Come on now, you got to leave it behind. You got to leave some people, you got to leave some things behind if you're going to get unstuck. Who is it? Who is it? What is it? This man believed that he would be different. He believed that if he would leave that coat behind, that he would be unstuck from years of sitting there on that corner begging. We can't do the same thing and expect different results. That's the definition of insanity, right? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every weight, every hindrance that does so easily entangle us, and let us run the race with perseverance that is marked for us, fixing our eyes on who? Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Throw it off. Leave it behind. I love the story in, 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 in 1 Kings. It's, it's the story of Elijah and Elisha. And when Elijah was about ready to drop the mantle on Elisha, 
This was his spiritual son. He had, he had traveled with Elijah, and he, he, Elijah was about to go up to heaven in a whirlwind, the Bible says. And, and right before he was about to drop this mantle on him and change his, the very course of his life, the Bible says that Elisha says this. Hang on, Elijah, I got to go do two things. Number one, I got to go kiss mom and dad goodbye. Amen. How many think that's a noble thing, right? Mom and dad, I love you. Thank you for raising me. I got to go now. Amen. Second thing it says that he did, he killed the oxen and he burned the plow. What does that mean? The very thing that provided for him for many years, his source of income, the very thing that he knew to do, he said, I got to burn the plow. I got I to gotta kill the oxen because I'm leaving this life. I'm leaving. I, I'm going to make a decision to burn this plow because it is the very thing that I've held on to. But this is a sign of no return for Elisha. This says I'm stepping into the new thing that God has for me and I'm destroying the plow. What's the plow that you need to burn today? What is it? Who is it? I'm not saying physically do it. Dear Lord, don't go light your husband on fire today. That wouldn't be good, friends. I'm burning my kid. No, 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 that's not good. I know sometimes you feel like you want to, but cast those thoughts down, amen. We love our kids here most of the time. And it says he burned the plow. He let go of it. Philippians 3.13, forgetting those things which are behind, pressing towards the things. Pressing to- Some of you need to burn that memory out of your mind. You say, well, I messed up. You you committed a sin, but you are not that sin that you committed. You are not that sin. That sin was nailed to a cross. You you need to forget that thing. You need to forget it. Well, I'm still struggling. Listen, friends, we're in this world, right? Until we see Jesus, we're going to have issues of our life that we struggle in. We're going to have areas that we get stuck. We can leave it behind today. And get unstuck. Someone say unstuck. unstuck. All right, the third thing, the third thing today to get unstuck. Is this all right today? For the first 930 service in the history of this church? Come on, somebody. You guys are pretty loud today. Fired up. Third thing to get unstuck, we got to learn to follow him. Someone say follow him. In the text, it says this. Verse 52 says, go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. He followed Jesus. He followed him. So many times we have heard that you have to believe in Jesus, but it's more than just believing, right? We have to follow Jesus. Because the Bible says that even the demons believe, yet they tremble. That's what the Bible says. So we can't just believe in Jesus. That's part of our faith. But we have to now follow Jesus. Someone say, follow Jesus. I love our scripture last week in Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7. It says, now just as you you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to what? Follow him. Follow him. It's a journey we're on. It's a journey. If you're new here, if this is a brand new experience for you, church, or maybe you've been out of church for a while, we're simply here gathered every week to follow Jesus, learn more about him, to learn more how we can get unstuck 
from a life and a world that wants to get us stuck. And we're following Jesus. We're not following a church. We're not following a trend. We're not following a pastor. We're not following leadership. We're here to point to Jesus. He's the perfect savior. Amen. We're imperfect people, but he's the perfect savior. Somebody say, follow him. When Jesus was gathering his A-team, his 12 disciples, you remember, right? He gathered them and he said, hey, come and follow me. Come and what? Follow me and I will what? Make you to become what? Fishers of men. Notice they were his disciples. Someone say disciples. It simply means to imitate, to be like someone, okay? So, so don't, don't get scared if you're new here, like, oh, he wants us to be a disciple. Does that mean we got to, like, bring a sacrifice to the altar and all that? People get freaked out about that word. No, it just means we're imitating Jesus, and we're going to follow him. He had 12 disciples, right? And he gathered these people, and he said, hey, come follow me, and I will make you to become. I'm going to say that again. Come follow me and I will make you into what you're to become. I'll mold you. I'll shape you as you follow me. As you learn from me, disciple means take my lead, learn from me, grow from me. As you follow me, I'll begin to make you. I'll mold you. I'll shape you into what I have for your life. Hmm? Following doesn't mean that we're perfect. (laughs) Quite the opposite, these disciples had many imperfections in their life. They were some of the most unlikely characters to be part of Jesus' crew. Most of them were rough and tough fishermen, but Jesus chose them knowing they had flaws. Peter would turn out to be the bad boy of the crew, right? I mean, he's pulling out knives on people, cutting ears off. He's cussing all the time, kind of like some of you in the parking lot. Anyway, moving along, moving right along. Time to get unstuck from that cussing. Praise God. Peter, he was the bad boy while Judas was stealing the money and betraying Jesus, right? When Thomas had his, his issues with doubt. So here, here were these imperfect men that he chose to follow him. I think sometimes we think, man, why, how, how could I follow Jesus with the mess that my life is in? With the decisions that I've made. With, the, with my past, do you think that Jesus would actually accept me? Yeah, I really do. I, I look at these 12 and I think, man, one was ripping people off. He was a tax collector. He worked for the government. Come on, somebody. Amen, Amen to that. Right? They were fishermen. They were rough guys. You ever been on a boat fishing? Anybody? Around some real fishermen that do it for a living? I have. Those guys, man, they rough. They tell some pretty crazy jokes. <laughs> I'll just keep it at that. There's some crazy lingo on that boat. If Jesus chose them, why won't he choose you? Why won't he choose you? Hmm? You need to realize that following is simply a decision that you make that says this. I've tried life on my own doesn't work. I tried to follow other people, doesn't work. I tried to read self-help books, doesn't work. I tried to watch Dr. Phil, doesn't work. But now I'm going to make a decision and bring my mess 
to the message of grace called Jesus Christ. And I'm simply just going to follow him each day. And I'm going to work on getting better. I believe as you follow, there should be a progression of growth in your life. I believe there should be a life changed as you follow him. If you're where you're at a year from now and there's no growth in your life, we have a problem. You're following the wrong thing. Maybe you're following in the church or someone in the church. I don't know, a relationship. We got to follow Jesus. He's the only one that can change us from the inside out, friends. So if we want to get unstuck, number one, we're going to have to what? Take responsibility, right? Someone say, take responsibility. Number two, we're going to have to learn to leave it behind. Say, leave it behind. And number three, we're going to have to learn to follow him. We're going to have to learn to follow him. Stand with me this morning. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, And the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. In Jesus' name. It's simple as that. And I encourage you to find a good local church. If if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here. But find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.